please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. We continue in the season of Advent, in this season when our yearning for God's intervention is sharp, is acute. Last week I mentioned that the season of Advent is in fact so very distinct from Christmas. I mentioned that if we take a look at the scriptures assigned to the Sundays in Advent, that those scriptures very much reinforce the sense that Advent is very different from Christmas. And what is this season of Advent like? What characterizes this season in the Christian calendar? According to the scriptures used in the Advent season, Advent is a time when we are acutely aware of the chaos and the hardship and upheaval in our world. We find scriptures that talk about the end of the world as we know it. We find scriptures that convey a sense of crisis. And in the midst of all of that, our scriptures reflect a yearning for how God might enter in and set things right. There is a sense of great restlessness that goes along with the upheaval in the world, a restlessness that fuels our yearning for God. In planning for sermons for the season of Advent, I spent some time reflecting on my own yearning for God. I read all the scriptures assigned to each Sunday in the season, And in planning for today, I chose the scriptures that talk about ways we hear God's voice. Because one of my own personal spiritual yearnings is a yearning to hear from God. A yearning to hear God's voice. Our psalm for today expresses the desire to hear God's voice, to hear what God has to say. Let me hear what the Lord God says, writes the psalmist, because he speaks peace to his people. In the reading from Isaiah, it's not clear whose voice we are talking about. It is probably not God's voice, but rather the voice of someone who speaks on God's behalf. But the Isaiah passage does also refer to God's word, saying that God's word will exist forever. Surely that too is a way we hear God's voice. One of my own spiritual yearnings is to hear God's voice, a yearning for God's messages to be clear. But I kind of wish I hadn't chosen those scriptures or that focus for this morning. I kind of wish I had gone with the other scriptures that were options in the calendar for today, from the second letter of Peter or from Mark's gospel. I kind of wish I had gone with those scriptures because those readings contain the kind of upheaval that is such a part of Advent. That upheaval is notably absent from the scriptures we did hear this morning. I kind of wish I had gone with the other scriptures, the ones that contain a sense of upheaval that makes us uncomfortable, even though Advent scriptures tend to make us confused about how this fits with Christmas at all. It is an upheaval that many churches try to ignore in the season of Advent. But I wish I had gone with that 
because it feels like a fit for what is going on in our world. If Advent is a season of restlessly waiting for God's vision for our world to be realized in a way that God's vision is not yet realized, then we are in a season of Advent indeed. Two weeks ago, the prosecutor in St. Louis County announced that a grand jury decided not to indict Officer Darren Wilson in the shooting death of Michael Brown. That was hard to take. Even worse is the decision this week by a New York grand jury not to indict New York City police officer Daniel Pantaleo in the chokehold death of Eric Garner. I'm betting that most of you are familiar with these cases. These cases and their aftermath have been featured prominently in much of our news in these weeks and days. Even worse than any particular case on its own is the broader picture of unjust deaths of black men and boys that has become so very visible in these last two weeks. These cases have shined a spotlight on a truth that was already there. The cases have unleashed a flood of both data and stories demonstrating the pervasive injustice of the deaths of black men. There are things in our world that are so deeply unfair, so very wrong. And I don't really know what to say. I don't know what to do. I feel like it is in my job description to offer hope. And when I look at how deeply entrenched racism is in the structures and beliefs in our society, it is hard to be hopeful. I'm angry and I'm outraged and I do not know how to make sense of this. And without knowing quite how to make sense of this, I don't know how to be articulate as I stand here, which is another thing I think is in my job description. (laughs) And I don't know how. But I know that I don't want to be one more person who says nothing. There have been protests literally across America, in small towns, in big cities, on college campuses. That response is heartening. There have been some riots, too, though not nearly as many riots as there have been peaceful protests. In 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. spoke about riots. He talks first about his unwavering commitment to the strategy of nonviolence. And then he says, But it is not enough for me to stand before you tonight and condemn riots. It would be morally irresponsible for me to do that without at the same time condemning the contingent, intolerable conditions that exist in our society. These conditions are the things that cause individuals to feel that they have no other alternative than to engage in violent rebellions to get attention. And I must say tonight that a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened 
over the last 12 or 15 years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice and humanity. What is it that America has failed to hear? King calls a riot the language of the unheard. What is it that America has failed to hear? I yearn to hear God's voice. I do believe that we can hear God in ways that are inexplicable, ways you might call mystical, where a person might seem to hear directly from God. And I also believe with Teresa of Avila that Christ has no hands in the world today but our hands, that we are Christ's hands and feet in the world. I believe that we are created in the image and likeness of God and that in some way we see God as we look at each other, at those around us. I believe what Jesus said, that when we feed the hungry, we are caring for Christ himself. And that when we fail to feed the hungry, we neglect Christ himself. We fail to attend to God. And because I believe these things, I also believe that we do not have to wait for a mystical experience to hear God's voice. We can listen right now to the voices crying out in the wilderness around us, crying out for justice, crying out expressions of pain. There has been so much news and commentary about the recent cases and about the wider issues they raise. I've learned a lot from, what, from some of what I've read, but I can hardly believe how many comments I have run across that deny or minimize the racism in America today and deny the ways that racism plays out structurally in things like policing or our criminal justice system. I can hardly believe how many comments I've seen that are quick to blame the victims for these unjust events to blame Mike Brown or to blame Eric Garner. This is wrong. And it demonstrates, among many other things, a profound failure to listen. And just as failing to feed the hungry demonstrates a failure to attend to God, we will not be a people who hear God's voice if we refuse to hear the voices of the oppressed in our midst. If we yearn to hear from God, let us start by listening deeply, openly, respectfully listening to those who are on the receiving end of America's injustice. We need to listen without defensiveness and without minimizing and without denying that the problems exist. Because all lives matter, and our world continues to operate as if some lives matter more than others. One of the commentaries I read this week painted a, an especially bleak picture. This writer suggested that the pattern of mistreatment of black men in our criminal justice system is not an aberration, 
not a departure from what we might call the real America, but instead that it is a pattern woven into the fabric of what America is. This may be true, but if this is true, there must be a way we can change this. There must be a way to slowly, steadily, tenaciously create an America where injustice is an aberration and not business as usual. We must work for that day when prejudices are not reinforced by the structures of our society. I don't really know what to do, and I wish I did. But I know we can work for justice, and I know we can begin by listening. I know that in this church's work in the community, real listening will help us to not just be a service provider when we reach out into the community, that real listening will help us be co-workers alongside people we don't even know yet. So yes, this is Advent. This is a season when the church remembers the upheaval and chaos in our world. It is right that we are in the restlessness of this season of Advent because in the words of civil rights activist Ella Baker, we who believe in freedom cannot rest until it is won. We long for God to make a difference, to enter into the work alongside us because we can't do it on our own. And as we yearn for God, as we yearn for God to set right what is wrong, as we yearn to hear God's voice, let us listen to the voices of all God's children. Let us listen to the voices around us crying out in a wilderness of brokenness because God cries out to us to make a difference. Amen.